Hey guys, Eric Nemens here. We're going to get the show started in just a moment. But before we do, I want to ask you to do one thing. Go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and sign up for the Halfway There mailing list. You just put in your first name, put in your email, click submit. It's five seconds or less. Very easy to do. But then every Monday when a new episode comes out, I will send you an email about the new episode, and that way you'll be sure to know that it's coming out. Also, I have a bunch of interesting things planned for 2018, and I want you to be able to get those. This is the only way you can do that. So go to halfwaytherepodcast.com, put in your email, click submit, and I'll see you over there. Okay, on with the show. This is a good one. Welcome to Halfway There. I'm Eric Nevins, and this is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm excited to bring this conversation with you today. Um, my guest describes himself as a business guy and a recent author with his first book. We're going to talk all about his book. It's called One, Unfolding God's Eternal Purpose from House to House. And uh, it's got an interesting message, so I can't wait to share that with you. But with me is... Henry Hahn. Henry, how are you? Hi, Eric. Uh, nice nice for you to invite me onto your show. Yeah, welcome so, to Halfway yeah. There. I'm glad you're here. And we are going to dig into your story, hear what God's done with you, and okay. uh, hear about your book. So I can't wait to do that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and where God has you now, and then we'll go backwards and hear some of the backstory. Okay, well, I guess in a nutshell, I'm. Uh, you, you mentioned to me that, uh, or earlier, that I'm a business guy. So I, I mentioned that because I've uh, been always been an entrepreneur. Uh, uh, you know, from since college, I graduated from Berkeley, UC Berkeley, and my first uh, startup was a folding bicycle of all things. Wow, cool! And uh, and it's still going on. It's called Dahan, and. Uh, but uh, but since then I've been in numerous other startups, mostly tech startups, and uh, now I am retired. But I'm still uh, still connected with some startups, and and I'm married with four kids. They all married, and I have five grandkids and one coming. So that's uh, I've been married for 41 plus years. Uh, so that's a little bit about who I am. Great. Yeah. So I keep hearing that the grandchildren part of life is the best part. Yeah. You get to play <laughs> with them and, and, and then you, you don't have to really take care of them. You send them <laughs> so you send them I home. think my, my wife said, saw a bumper sticker. This says if, if, something like if, if I know how fun it is to be a grandmother, I will start with that first. Right. Right. That sounds fantastic. I have four kids, and uh, we're just in the middle of. We have one in high school and one in first grade. So that's. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm I'm a little ahead of you. I have four, two boys, two girls. Okay. They're all married and out of the house. So. That's great. Um, well, I guess we will have something to look forward to. Well, thanks for that introduction. Why don't you just let's just go back a little bit. What uh, where'd you grow up? Well, I was I was born in Hong Kong. Uh, came to the United States when I was eight. And uh, back then, it was like in the 60s, early 60s. So back then we came by boat. Uh, that's why you got this uh, acronym FOB or fresh off the boat wow. uh, back then for, um, for immigrants. And uh, so we were, uh, we were fresh off the boats back then. And so, uh, I grew up in San Francisco and basically the California Bay Area. That's uh, that's kind of where I uh, stayed and lived and grew grew up and educated. Wow! In the Bay Area. Okay, well that's great. Um, how did you? So, what was your family like? Was was you, was it a Christian family or how did you meet Christ? Yeah. So so uh, my my mom is a very strong believer. My my dad was not, and so they got a. You know, when we came to the U.S., they were divorced, and uh, so I grew up with uh, five brothers, and we were very poor. We were refugees uh, coming to the U.S., so 
I started working when I was nine years old and, and ever, I've been working ever since. So, wow. uh, so yeah, so my mom is a strong believer. She, she's, uh, you know, she credits, uh, you know, our, our, our fortune, you might say, even our good fortune of coming to this United States, et cetera, and, and building a life here was to, to her prayer and to the Lord and to help that she's received from other believers. So, um, so I grew up in that environment, but when I got into, but by the time I was in, in high school or, or, uh, teenage years, I, you know, those are the time you become question things and you yeah. want to have fun and you want to be rebellious. And so I, I, I took that route and, and I decided that, well, I, I still want to be a Christian. So believe in God and believe in Jesus. So I know where I'll be going in the future, but as far as trying to live the Christian life, um, that's just not for me uh, at this point. So that's kind of where I was in high school. And, um, so I was doing well. I mean, I wasn't, uh, in fact, I was doing really well in school, getting, getting popular. I was in sports and, and, but then my mom kept nagging me to go to this, um, conference. Uh, and so since I haven't been going to church for, for a bit, so I decided to go just, just to, you know, see my old conference buddies. You know, I don't know if you, you've been part of going to conferences when you're a kid, but you, you meet up with conference buddies and you go to the beach or play football or something, you know, while everybody's going to church. Uh And, um, so I said, okay, I'll go and catch up with my conference buddies. And, but anyway, in that at that conference, I was 16 years old at that point. Uh, I was not looking for anything spiritual. I was just going, and but that that weekend, uh, something happened. I was outside. It was not during a a, a uh, meeting. I was outside. There was a group of young people singing uh, and praising the Lord, and and so I just joined in and and I started singing with them and and call out on the Lord's name and praise the Lord. And, and like in 10, 15 minutes, I was, I just got filled up. I was just filled up with joy. I mean, I couldn't, I don't know what happened, but anyway, I just got filled up and it just seems like I just floated home, you know, to our, to the place where we were staying. And that was in LA when that happened to me. And, um, so that that was it. I, I gave my life to the Lord, and I didn't think that it was going to last, but it's lasted. I mean, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, steady, moving forward with the Lord and in, in ministry and and in spiritual life um, ever since then. So it's to God, you know, to the, the Lord's mercy and and glory. But I didn't think it was going to happen. But anyway, wow. here I am. You know. <laughs> so. What, so what do you think happened? What, what do you, I think happened with what with at, what at that experience when you were you were singing, and uh-huh. you, you sort of joined it on a whim and you didn't you you believed obviously yeah but this this experience seemed it was different for you yeah 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 I I don't know what happened I mean the Lord just came in the Spirit came in and filled me up with with joy and with love and with you know all the good things of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't explain it. I mean, I wasn't doing, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't convicted of anything. It wasn't like I was, uh, you know, a needy and I was seeking and searching for God and, and I was down in the dumps or, you know, that need help or, or anything like that. I was just a regular 16 year old guy having a good time and I joined in and I got filled up. I mean, yeah, and yeah. so, uh, and so that was it for me. I mean, between me and the Lord, that was it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah, it's interesting to me that that was it, but it was an experience. It was like an experiential kind of moment that you had with God, not necessarily a decision that you made. You just were there, and God made you, you know, filled you with the Holy Spirit, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was Love it. it. I mean, uh, yeah, I did not make a decision other than joining to sing with these, you know, the, you know, there was probably about 10 of them out there, maybe, maybe less. Sure. But, uh, yeah, just that was the decision I made was to, well, let's go join in and sing. <laughs> that was. <Yeah. laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, you don't know, you know, 
the Lord works in uh, people say that the Lord works in mysterious ways, and I guess that's one of the mystery. Absolutely, yeah, I, I love to hear different stories. So that's that's a unique one. I like it. What? Um, so tell me about how did you start to learn? How did you? You know, did you begin to be more interested in scripture, or what? Like what kind of? How did you grow from there? Yeah, so I, I would credit the uh, you know my early years to to having good fellowship with believers that were around me, um, and uh, they were in into the Word, uh, they were into fellowship, and and I was just I just jumped in, I just joined in, and and since then I've been I've been active in fellowship, active in in ministry, active in gospel, active in you know Bibles. Bible study and of course teaching uh, through that and and um, and I've been responsible in some churches you know planted planted a church and was you know part of the eldership and mm-hmm. a couple of churches and so um, that's kind of been my journey uh, uh, you know since then and um, it's been great I mean you know I mean uh, I've uh, come to, well, you know, maybe when we get to it, how I came to write the book, you know, maybe I'll talk more about the transition of my experience. But, uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I would credit that going on with just being with, uh, with believers and, and fellowshipping. Yeah, and that fellowship is really important. And I know that that's part of what you, you talk about um, in the book, if I'm not mistaken. So... Well, so can you describe for us a time when you like learned to trust God more deeply? Oh gosh, you know, I, you know, I don't know. Well, maybe may the I don't know what the trust God more deeply. I guess it's just been a process. Maybe the very first one was that really had an impact. Was was I was living in Berkeley and going to school in Berkeley. At the time that I I got filled up by the Lord, filled up in the Spirit, and so I was uh, like I mentioned to you, I was getting popular in, in in sports and in the school there. I was just getting to get into things and like girls, etc. And mm-hmm. and so um, so uh, when I got filled up, I had to, you know, this group of believers that I was uh, fellowshipping with. Um, they were, they are in, uh, or, uh, in San Francisco. So, and my mom wanted to move to San Francisco even before this, this experience happened to me. And, and when she told me that she wants to go to San Francisco, I, I, I told her, no, I'm, I'm not going to move with you. Now, of course she's a single mom and, and I was the youngest. And, and, uh, so I said, well, I'm going to finish up school in, in Berkeley because I don't want to, you know, I mean, I got a lot of things going on here. So if you want to move to San Francisco, I'm going to just live with one of my friends. And uh, so that was kind of where where I sort of made my decision. And then when this thing happened to me down down in uh, the Southern California, when I came back uh, home, I you know, after a few weeks, I, I made a decision to move to San Francisco, you know, to leave my my life, so to speak, uh, in Berkeley mm-hmm. and move to San Francisco. And, and this was during the days of the Jesus people movement. And, oh, yeah. the, you know, and, and I be quickly became, you know, came to be called a Jesus freak, you know, in high school. And uh, so I think that was the first major decision that I made, I, I, I would, that would be, I suppose, trusting in God Yeah. because I don't know what would happen. And I decided to leave what I, uh, what I know, what I enjoyed, what I, you know, uh, was, uh, looking forward to in, in a kind of a worldly secular way. But, uh, but I decided to, to choose God and, and choose his purpose. Um, and, and, so it has worked out. Everything worked out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, it yeah. sounds like you've been really involved in your in your church and in various activities. Um, like what what one of those have really shaped how you understand the gospel? Oh wow! How am I, I am understand? I stumping you? you mean as far as <laughs> you mean in my experience? Just in your experience, what? yeah. Like like what has kind of shaped you 
that uh, understand. It doesn't have to be the gospel. It could be how you understand the Lord, how you understand relating with him, how you understand his grace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's just so many things. But, uh, I mean, if I go back to to uh, my early years when I was still, in my, you know, active as a teenager and, and uh, you know, uh, in college, et cetera, I, I would say just the 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 impact that I that I received of seeing uh, not just Jesus as the uh, Savior, but uh, but to see that to see His body, to see the one body, to see yeah. that all the believers should be one, and and how we all should love one another, and and that we all are needed, and and we all have our have a part in in contributing to the building up of the body of Christ and and that there shouldn't that believers shouldn't be divided we should be able to freely fellowship with each other and that was part of my uh seeing and and understanding way in the early early years so i think those two together seeing the lord and seeing his his body the ecclesia you might yeah. say um is uh has been a a constant uh driving uh force yeah in, in my life so tell us about some some ways that the body has ministered to you powerfully over your years well so you know one one of the things that has really affected I mean, of course, you know my 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 spiritual lifespan over forty five years. So it's it's uh, sure. you know there there are periods of of different things. So it's hard to kind of pick out which period or which thing that are uh, that's uh, that that's really impactful. But I mean, it's because there are so many things that are impactful through this forty five plus years of uh, of the Christian life. But I, I would say that um, uh, you know I. I I, I preached the gospel when I was younger. I preached the gospel in many ways, open air preaching. And, you know, it, it, when I was in high school, I would stand up on cafeteria table and, and you know, preach Jesus. And, uh, you know, in, in college, I would, you know, get in front of the in in the uh, uh, quad and, and speak openly. And so I, you know, I did a lot of uh, that kind of a preaching. But uh but I would say that the, a, a, a real uh, turning point uh, was when I was when I got to be in a, in my 30s and, and almost 40. I think probably 40. That uh, that I started uh, really thinking about um, home gatherings, meeting in homes, and and bringing people to my house, opening my house for young people and and to fellowship in in a more lot more informal way, you know, back and forth type of question answers, and and letting everyone have a way have have a have a say in what what they what they're thinking and where they're coming from, and and so um, I've been practicing that since you know since the uh, the 80s and and the mid mid late 80s, and it that has been that yeah. has really impacted uh my 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 experience of fellowship um and the um and i would say if, if we talk about fruit you know of course you don't sure. know what what let's say talk about fruit that you can look at i mean when we, when i say fruit i'm in this sense i'm talking about people that that uh you have impacted that you have led to the lord or you have you know shepherded to grow uh you know, when when it, it's hard to know what what happened in the early days when I was, you know, preaching to crowds and so forth. And, uh, you know, it might have an impact. Don't know. But but for the people that I can count uh, and follow up on is just not that many. But when I started meeting in homes and, and opening up my house, mm. you know, uh, to young people and then as my kids grew up grew up into high school and, and college, uh, they brought their friends and, and over a course of, of years and, uh, 
a lot of young people just came to the Lord and came to enjoy the Lord, came to turn their heart to the Lord. And, and I can, I can count, you know, I can count the people that I'm caring for and, and, and shepherding and, and I'm praying with and so forth. So I would say that, that in my Christian experience, uh, uh, that, you know, just the fellowship, the, the open fellowship in the homes has been a, a huge impact yeah. uh, in my Christian experience. How were you introduced to that kind of style of open fellowship? Well, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was following a minister and, uh, and I was being helped by this minister and, 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 and he, uh, he came to, in his ministry, in his own ministry, uh, he was planning churches and raising up churches. And he came to a, a point in his ministry where he said, you know, I think that the, the, the way to, uh, to get back to, the way to get out of a hierarch- hierarchical structure in the church and, and controls and, 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 you know, having the control of, of the, um, you know, in, in a way that is, you know, a controlling by the by the leadership that is, in a way that is detrimental to the functioning, the the free expression of the believers, um, and and have the you know proper growth uh, of fruit bearing, etc. He says, well, he says, you know, from. He says, "Well, the way is to get back to the homes, like in the early, uh, in the as, as in the early, uh, you know, New Testament. Yeah. Uh, you know, he cited, of course, and went through Acts and cited the how the uh, ecclesia, God, the Lord's assembly, grew. And uh, so it was through his influence that I go, wow, okay, um, that sounds great. I think I should do that." And so it's through uh, this brother's, this minister's influence that I started. Um, uh, focusing on homes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to get into the book a little bit, but first I want to ask you this one question. Have you ever had a time when you feel like God was distant or far away or you were angry with him or something like that? Um, well, uh, I would say, I, I want to say, no, but that might not be that might not be accurate. I would say no because it, I I don't remember a time where it was such so impactful in that way that I sure. that that uh, that I would go wow you know that was a period when God left me type of thing uh, or I was really angry. So I I don't have a period in my life like that, but, uh, but I'm sure that has happened, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, where I felt that way. Uh, but it just hasn't, uh, is not part of my, uh, spiritual memory. Uh, I've always just, uh, 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 felt that, I mean, no, yeah, to, no, don't, I also want to clarify this is that after a while, uh, you know, in the, in the early days as a believer, there's a lot of uh, concern about feelings, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're feeling the Lord is with you, the feeling of joy, the feeling of peace, and 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 the the kind of that kind of feeling is 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 very much part of the early Christian experience, and I think that um, uh, I was uh, able to I pretty quick I I guess I I just um, stopped relying on feelings. Sure. And so, um, so because I wasn't relying on my feelings as much, then those type of experiences, maybe that's why it's not so memorable yeah. because, uh, because that's not part of what I was seeking. Um, but I would always still remember that there will always be joy. Now the joy, a lot of the periods of joy is related to helping someone else, helping someone to know the Lord, help bringing mm. someone to the Lord, uh, shepherding someone, and they got to find the Lord or, or grow in the Lord. Um, that's kind of where a large part of my joy has been, especially, you know, after the initial 
period yeah. uh, as a young believer. So, um, yeah, I and that. no, I don't think I've ever been angry with God. I'd, I'd have no rec- recollection of, of that experience. Yeah, you so. know, that actually doesn't surprise me. Um, it's a question I like to ask because I think it can be a, a part of the experience. Many people go through it. And, That's true. And uh, so I like to ask it. But I sort of expected you to say what you did because of that powerful experience you had with the Holy Spirit when you when you kind of gave your life to Christ. Um, I just thought this kind of, um, and I, I'm not sure quite how to put it, but if it felt like you you seem to have kind of this intimate experience with Him that might not lend itself to that to a kind of abandonment experience. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I, I get sure. your point that there are yeah. a lot of believers do have you know go through a period of uh, you know of uh, experiences like that. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, uh, either luckily, fortunately, or mercifully, uh, gracefully. I yeah, mean, that yeah, wasn't that's part good. of mine. Very good. My experience, so. <laughs> well, very good. Yeah. Anyway, it it happens, and it's just something I like to ask about, but. That's good. Um, okay. Well, so I want to talk. We've already kind of started talking about the the house church, I guess, idea, if we, if we can call it that. Um, but tell us why you you wrote this book, one unfolding God's eternal purpose from house to house, and uh, kind of what what you're hoping to see it do. Yeah. Well. So now, even though my a large part of my experience is is with you know in the home in the fellowship. The book one, it's it's much more than that. I mean, is I'm not uh, a, I'm not just a proponent of house churches, organic churches. You know, having having church at your house, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's part of it. But that's but without the vision. So that's not the vision. Okay, the vision is John chapter seventeen. Um, the vision is yeah. what I saw in the beginning of my Christian life of the oneness of the body, how every believer should have, have free fellowship with each other, um, that we are all one. And so so John 17 is really the, the prayer the Lord prayed. Of course, he prayed that prayer at the uh, Last Supper. It was the end of the Last Supper. The beginning of the Last Supper, he gave this new commandment, which is to love one another as I have loved you. And then he went through some pretty mysterious speaking from chapter 14, 15, 16, you know, pretty mysterious about the spirit, about him going mm-hmm. away and coming back and the vine and you're the branches. And so, uh, you know, those are really just wonderful uh, messages from Jesus. And then at the end of that, he, he made this prayer. I mean, it's really his his really the only prayer that he recorded yeah. um, in, in the New Testament. Of course, a lot of people quote uh, Matthew, I think, 6 as the as the Lord's Prayer, but that's really the Lord teaching us how to pray. It wasn't really his prayer, right, about thy kingdom come and forgive us our debt, etc. Right. Uh, you know, so so John 17 is really is really the his prayer. And he prayed what he prayed for was that they, the believers, his people, both the Jews and the Gentiles, would become one. And and he prayed that three times. That was like that was the, the whole point. And is that they would become one. And this oneness is is as one as the Father and the Son are one, which is really one. I mean, you know, yeah. they're two, but they're one. And uh and is in this oneness that the world will believe that that he is sent, right? right? The world will believe in him and would know him. So it's a powerful oneness that would convince the world the reality of Jesus Christ. And that was his prayer. And um, so that's why the title of the book is One. Um, and, uh, you know, we can get into why house to house later on, but I just sure. want to bring to the vision is, is not, so the vision is not, okay, everybody meet in homes and home churches and let's get out of the buildings and, sure, and, sure. uh, you know, have your, uh, every home have your own pastors, et cetera. So that's not really the division. Okay. 
The vision is oneness of the believers, as John 17 is is what uh, what is the motivation here for this book. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. So what, how did that passage capture you? Well, I think that uh, captured me because that that was in the that was my uh, uh, my vision and the group of people that I that I started fellowshipping with in the beginning in my early days. Uh, th- that was their vision, and um, and then I was with this group for a, a number of years and and uh, and I saw. I mean, you know, this was during the Jesus People Movement time, and everybody mm-hmm. was young and. And the Lord was moving, the Spirit was pouring out, and and we were just seeing things about the Lord, seeing things in the Scripture, and we were getting helped by great ministers, and um, and so that was our view. And then 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 I I was with the group, and I saw the uh, well, it was just as as it grew, as it expanded and grew, and it got more and more organized and systematized. Um, to a point where one day I woke up, I go, wow, what has happened? Because mm-hmm. the leadership wanted me to submit to authorities, to, to leadership. And I go, wow, I didn't know that was that was what we we're talking about. I, I didn't I didn't I don't get it. I don't get I thought we're brothers, you know, and uh, so it, it, the hierarchy got built up over over the years. And and eventually, you know, this. Group the leadership says, well, if you don't, uh, pretty much, I mean, is if you don't submit to the, our way of doing things, then then you're not part of us anymore. And uh, so I go, wow, okay, um, I guess I'm, I, I can't be part of you anymore because I don't see it in the Word. I, I don't see it. I don't get it. That was that's not our vision. So it was after that that I start to reconsider. You know what happened? What? How did? How did how can believers how could how can believers start off with a pure motive a good vision a, a good heart a good seeking for the Lord and then over time um, we become divided and this of course not new right I mean this is yeah. this is repeating this is history repeating itself over and over again. Uh, so I just started considering, well, what what went wrong? I mean, what went wrong that we would uh, that believers would become divided and 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 uh, making demands on one another and and we would lose the oneness and and not over sin, not over you know heretical teachings, uh, but just over. Uh, I don't know, dominions, domination over organization, yeah. over who, systems. Who gets to make the choices? Who gets, yeah, who gets to make the choice? Who's Who's got to say? So so it was after that experience that, you know, that, that I started considering and reconsidering the whole idea of oneness. Uh, and so it brought me to, to the Lord's Prayer. So it was after that period, brought me to the Lord's Prayer, and to consider the Lord's prayer, because here's the Lord praying for oneness, yeah. and here, here we were. I mean, I was, I, I, and and with this group of believers, that's how we started, and and then we ended up, you know, I'm getting removed, right? Yeah. So I, what what happened? So here's the Lord's prayer. I mean, if the Lord's prayer is not going to be answered, I mean, those the Lord, the Lord Jesus is praying, right? If his prayer is not going to be answered, then why? <laughs> if we don't believe that, then why are we even praying? What, what you know? If Jesus' prayer is not going to be answered, then what are we doing praying? Yeah. You know. So, so it's just it was just one of these things where I go, wow. Okay, I better look at let's look at this thing again. Let's dive into John chapter seventeen. Consider what the Lord is saying there, and what can I learn? What what is what didn't I see? What are what are believers missing? Okay, so that's kind of how the book kind of genesis of, of the thinking behind the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's right. I, I often think about that in terms of um, denominations, you know, and things sort of by happenstance. We go to a not-denominational church, but we're still separated, right, from everybody else right. structurally. Right. And 
Um, but I, I just think um, every once in a while I'm just curious about what, you know, think about the experience of other believers. So one of the reasons I love doing this is is you can, you know, people from all different kinds of walks of life, you know, or yeah. different different yeah. uh, experiences. And you can, I you know, have a chance to kind of prove, hey, we're all believing, we're all trusting in Christ. We're in the same boat here, even yeah. if we go about a few things differently. That's uh, defi- yeah. definitely... We have the same faith, brother. That's right. Yeah, that's definitely... Yeah. We believe in Jesus. Right. And it's a change. So I think you're part of a big... Um, movement perhaps that's that history is moving i mean really for the last or god is moving in history but the last you know up until recently last 50 years or so the movement was quite the opposite direction of more and more division right um right yeah anyway okay great yeah um yeah so john 17 that's a that's a great passage and i think you make some good points about jesus and his heart for us to all be one, um, you know what? How could that look in today's context? What would that look like? Right, right. So, right, okay. So, yeah. What's the kind of like? Okay, where where does the tire hit the road type yeah. of thing? Right. I mean, we're, we're you know. Um, so, so first, first of all, I, I want to just go back to John seventeen, that in those in his prayer. Um, the Lord in his prayer, he gave three gifts. And I don't know if people catch on to that or not, is that he gave three gifts. And after each one of these gifts, that is when, when he ended that portion with that they may be one. Okay. So okay. three times he prayed that they would be one. And then preceding each one of those is a gift okay okay and so the first gift he gave is eternal life because i give to them eternal life and eternal life is to know the father and the son and the second gift he gave is the truth which is his word and uh so then then the third one he gave is his glory so the the so the book, uh, my book, really kind of explored this these three gifts because it's out of these three gifts that oneness is the result. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you can want to be one, and I'm not talking about an ecumenical movement and mm-hmm. an organizational level because organizationally, even if we could be one organizationally, is not the oneness of the Trinity. Okay, so when I say one, I'm not talking about any kind of organizational, ecumenical type of a movement, but it's it's out of these three gifts that the Lord gave. It's the eternal life. Well, because we have the same eternal life, every believer has the same eternal life. It's because of that life is in the DNA of that life that we are one. Okay, there's no organization is not necessary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, When I meet up with a believer, especially when you're young, as a young believer, you think back when you first got saved, you just you just happy to see other anybody who is who believes in Jesus. You know, right. You you don't think about, you know, Catholic or Protestant or, or, you know, Pentecostal or Reformed or, you know, you believe in Jesus. Wow. You love Jesus. Amen, right? Let me tell you what happened. Let me give you my testimony. Yeah. And uh and and because there is an immediate oneness because of this the DNA of the divine life that we've received. So so that's the first gift. And then the second gift is truth. So what happens is that a lot of believers we started dividing is because, you know, according to Ephesians 4 is that we're getting bombarded with different winds of teachings okay and these different winds of teachings is utilized by the enemy to bring us into silos or different systems okay and uh and and they're all based on the bible so you would say well wait a minute <laughs> it isn't the if the truth makes us one but then the bible is what 
everybody is arguing over that is dividing believers. Right. So my conclusion, and of course, I, you know, I, I developed it over the over the Bible that well, the truth, not everything in the Bible is would be considered truth. Truth is Jesus Christ. Truth is God Himself, the Spirit, and Jesus Christ is truth. If you don't get Jesus Christ, God and the Spirit from the Bible, you got well, you got some good teachings. You could have good morality, good ethics, you know, good stories. Uh, but it's not the truth. Because if you get Jesus Christ, you'll be one. But if you get a lot of other things, that's where we fight over. Right. Okay. So it's the truth. So it is really bringing believers to stay in Jesus Christ when you read the Bible to to receive Jesus. You know, like like the Lord told told the Pharisees. He said, you know, you search the scriptures and in in them you think you have eternal life. You will not come to me that you'll have life. Right. Yeah. And it's it's these and the scripture is speaking concerning me. So if we look through the Bible and if we're a Bible student, we're looking for everything else other than Jesus. Well, we're, we're going to be fighting for a long time. So truth is Jesus Christ. So, so that's what makes us one. And then finally is he gave us his glory. He says, I give the glory that I received, I give to them that they may be one. And so I developed the matter of glory is, is the glory. I mean, you have to read the book, but it just in a nutshell, the glory there is not the glory of his divinity, but the glory of, of the humanity that went through suffering, servant as a servant, and death on the cross. That's the glory that he gave us. So in order to be mm -hmm. one in his glory means that we are now empowered to serve one another as slaves. Okay, if, if we take his glory, then it's the glory that empowers us to serve. And so we know that a lot of you know, division is due to ego. You know, people just, you know, pride, right? They, they, they argue with each other. But, but by enjoying and receiving, enjoying the Lord's glory, then we can be a servant to one another. And it's in that serving one another that we can be one. So anyway, those are the three gifts that, that I just, you know, quickly go over that, that, that results in the oneness of his people. Yeah, that's great. I think that there's a lot there to say about, uh, certainly if we're, if we're looking, uh, to and about Jesus, whether it's in scripture or, uh, you know, whether others are believers in him, that that really sort of defines the whole thing. Right. Right. It sort of makes a lot of things clear. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, so those those are the three items that that I explore. And so now when you say practically, what does it look like? OK, um, I would I would submit that I would submit that there are two things that I uh, that I've received insight from. And, and, and interestingly, I have not come across any um, commentaries or, 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 you know, Bible teachers that have that have talked about or at least emphasize on it. Now, they could be out there, and I'm asking the audience to, to help me to, to confirm what I've seen in, in the Word, okay? Okay. And so there are two things that, uh, that, that is uh, practically what believers should be doing if they see this matter of oneness and want to practice it. Uh, the first thing is in Romans 16. So in Romans 16, Romans 16 is a is a chapter that is hardly ever touched as a teaching. There's really no doctrine in there mm -hmm. um, to speak of. You know, Romans, of course, is, is Paul's entire theology. You might say that's that's Romans. OK, when when Paul, right. when you say I, I want to know what Paul thinks about, you know, what's his theology? Well, you read Romans and, and that's A to Z. Right. Um, and uh, and you will see that when you read through Romans, his heart is that the Jews and the Gentile believers, they come together as one body. Mm -hmm. So throughout every section of Romans, you know, justification or well, condemnation, justification, sanctification, you know, 
uh, glorification, and then the body, the body life. In each one of these sections, the, the Paul did his best to show that the Jews and the Gentiles, which were separated by God's ordinances, should come back together as one body in Christ. So by the time you go to chapter you know, 14 and 15, then Paul says, no, you, we, we need to receive one another, you know, whether you uh, keep days or not, whether you eat uh, this type of food or, or you don't eat this type of food, which again, showing about the Jews and the Gentiles, then he says, we need to receive one another, okay, as God has received us. And so then, then you go to 16, which, which no one has really emphasized or taught because they treat 16 um, uh, as kind of Paul's greeting. Okay, so Paul right. is greeting a number of people there in, in Rome. And uh, so the takeaway uh, typically would be how much Paul cares for the people that he knows, he knew, or he doesn't even know he heard about them, and, but he cares for them. So, but you can pretty much cut off chapter 16 and still have the entire theology. Most, most teacher and most believers would kind of have that type of view. Yeah. But, but, but what I've discovered in 16 is that it wasn't Paul's greeting. It was Paul commanding the believers to greet one another. Okay, so it wasn't say, okay, go greet so and so for me. It was you, Eric, go greet Henry. Okay, and spend some time with him. And though, of course, in in those days, greeting, if you look into the even the meaning of that word greeting is to really embrace one another in openness and and really share your heart. Okay. So it's not just walking by and saying, hi, you know, hello, hi. Oh, I greeted Eric, you know, because I, I said hi to him. No, but but uh, but yeah. greeting in those days, what's that? I said, yeah, that no, that's a great point. It's more, it's yeah. deeper than just saying hello, which is right, how, we, how right. we read it as 20, 21st century, you know, right. Americans. Yeah. So so greeting in those days typically involved going to someone's house and, and someone receiving you into his house to greet your back. And you would, ha- you know, have tea or have a meal or and then be able to talk a little bit. Right. And, and open up your heart. So that's greeting. So so Paul is saying, OK, there are at least five groups of believers in Rome. If you read chapter 16, plus a lot of different individuals. So Paul is saying, OK, and these groups, if you read the names of these groups, you'll find out, except for the Ecclesia, which was meeting at Priscilla and Aquila's house. OK, but the other f- four groups that were mentioned clearly were were names that were either Gentiles or 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 Jewish or uh, related to you know uh, slaves or something so they were those groups the other groups were segregated uh, somehow naturally okay and 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 it's reasonable okay so these believers in Rome got saved through different ways through different teachers and apostles no not one apostles actually went to plant the ecclesia in Rome. So there are believers coming to know Jesus through, you know, in Jerusalem and in Asia Minor and through different people. And and so when they come back to Rome or when they heard the gospel in Rome, they would naturally they would congregate with the the people that are like them. Okay, yeah. the Jews would congregate together as Jews and, you know, the believing Gentiles would congregate. So you have these groups. So Paul is saying, OK, now go out. I'm commanding you. To go greet these other believers. I don't know if you're yeah. getting where I'm get coming from. I do, here, I do. Right? Yeah, it's interesting. And Roman had some uh, tension between Gentiles and Jews, like the whole city, and then the Jews got kicked out, and then the, when they right. came back, this that's what occasioned this letter. But um, yeah, I think that's really good. Very interesting to think about. You're totally right. We kind of cut functionally cut that off, but you know. It's hard to preach, Henry. It's hard to preach all these greetings. How do you do that? How, it's hard to <laughs> preach all these greetings. Yeah, I, you you do a pretty good job. I'm I'm being 
I'm being silly with you, but what? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to start from somewhere, right? Somebody's right. gonna have to say something, right? And then hopefully more people will say the same thing, and and if they see it in the board, they'll say it. it. Exactly. And, uh, I- my, you know, my point and, is, and so I, I'm just merely saying, look, look at Romans 16. Nobody's talking about Romans 16. Absolutely. And because because we don't talk about Romans 16, there is no greeting among believers. Everybody only think about fellowshipping when they talk about fellowshipping group is only among their the group of their own kind, so to mm-hmm. speak, right? Group within the same ministry, the same church. Okay, um, there is not the intentional, proactive teaching to go, no, okay, you fellowship in my church. Okay, you're in this group. We're together in this group, but let's go out and and greet other believers. Yeah. Let's intentionally go out to greet someone, right? I mean, they're all around us. You know, they're, believers are actually all around us, but we don't think, think that way because we're thinking only of my own church or my own group. So if if we look beyond that and said and say, look, if you're of the faith of Jesus Christ, we're one. We can fellowship together, even though we may not believe in the, the, the minor things, the peripheral things, the same. But Jesus Christ is our focus, right? He's yeah. the one who saved us. Yeah, absolutely. So let's fellowship around that. So anyway, so that's the, that's the first thing that, that I am, uh, you know, proposing in my book that, yeah, if you, if you see the matter of oneness, then you need to take action to greet believers that are not part of your your church, you know, so to speak, right? Your 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 group. Yeah, right, exactly. That's great. What was okay. the other passage? What's that? What was your other passage? Didn't you have another okay, passage? Okay, my other passage is 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 1 Corinthians from chapter 11 to chapter 14, okay, from mid chapter 11 to chapter 14. So, um there's really interesting. So now this is where we start hitting the practice of what a a home uh, assembly really should look like. Sure. Okay. All right. So that's why there is the house to house there. Gotcha. You know, in, in the subtitle. Okay. So in in the in the uh, in in First uh, Corinthians, mid chapter eleven of chapter fourteen, is the only description of the Lord's ecclesia in action. In the whole New Testament, okay. So, wow. so we should pay attention. If we if we care about the Lord's ecclesia, the, His assembly, then we should we should really consider mid chapter eleven to chapter fourteen of First Corinthians. Okay. So, I want to point out that in, in well, of course, that was in a home. Okay, because all the ecclesia, the all the assemblies in the New Testament were in homes. Yeah, but the interesting about this uh, in the description of this is that well, let me just backtrack just a little bit. I want to say the word ecclesia, which is the Lord is building. Now, it's just uh, quickly without getting into it. It's been mistranslated to church. Okay, so church is not ecclesia. Yeah, ecclesia is the okay. Greek word that appears, right. and we often translate it as as church, but it means like gathering. Right, assembly. Yeah, it's, it's assembly, and and it's a it's a secular word that's been used for you know more than a hundred years before Christ, and it was referring to a kind of a town hall, town square, you know, community gathering to make some decision for the community, and people of the entire community are being called out. So that's why it's called out. It actually means called out. Okay, so they're being called out to this gathering uh, as a community uh, meeting. And, uh, and so when, so two, two uh, characteristics of ecclesia is that it's made up of all kinds of different people within a community. Okay, Jews, Gentiles, rich, mm-hmm. poor, what have you, okay, educated, uneducated, they're all represented, uh, called out to community gathering. And, uh, and second, is that everyone can voice their opinions. Okay, everybody has a voice. Everybody can speak. Everybody can uh, you know, say what they have to say. And this was the case of the secular ecclesia that was described in Acts 19. So Acts 19 described a secular ecclesia. That's what happened. Okay, so 
But though you keep in mind now, those are the two kind of the characteristics is people from all different walks of life in the community coming together. And secondly, everybody can speak freely. Okay, so now you come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, it's going to describe the Lord's ecclesia. This is not the secular ecclesia. It's the Lord's ecclesia. ecclesia. And, and it's, then Paul starts off with, um, you know, I hear that there's the divisions among you, and I believe it. And then he came up with this, this, this verse, okay? He goes, and there, it's necessary that there is factions among you so that the um, so that those that are approved would be manifested. Um, and it's always been puzzling. Well, why would Paul say there it's necessary to be for there to be factions and uh, and that the ones that are approved? Well, anyway, uh, without getting into a long story and drawn out to get cover this whole section, I just want to say this is that a ecclesia of the Lord is not it has to include all kinds of believers from various backgrounds, even factions, okay, that we come together. But by at the end, as you go through the, the bread and the cup, by the end of this ecclesia, they all become they all became one. Okay, they started off in in a kind of a factious kind of a way, but uh, but going through chapter through chapter eleven, chapter twelve recognizing that all kinds of different believers in the body. And then chapter 13, the, the chapter of love, that we need to love one another and, and be patient with one another, and that we're only seeing things dimly. And then chapter 14, where everyone is now speaking, right, and, and speaking Christ. And so eventually by chapter 14, there are unbelievers in the ecclesia there, and they fall, they, they fell down, and worship God because God was manifested among in within the ecclesia. So that was a fulfillment of the Lord's prayer in John chapter 17. He says, when you're one, then the world will believe. So here we have this ecclesia that starts off with, with, with you know, factions and then ends in oneness where then unbelievers are believing yeah yeah that's great it it has um unity has a way of speaking powerfully about the love of christ yes that, that's what you're saying yeah that's, yeah and it has to and ecclesia the real ecclesia has to have people from different backgrounds different viewpoints so churches right. today are typically people representing the similar viewpoint, similar uh, you know doctrine, similar Christian practices. Okay, and that's that's why you know everyone's segregated because they pick which ministry they want to they want to get help from, which is fine. And and then when they get help from that ministry, uh, if you agree with it, then you you become uh, the same similar type of people. Okay, let's say if you're Pentecostal, then you go to a, you go to a Pentecostal church. Everyone there is Pentecostal. Okay, so, uh, so, but in the ecclesia, it it's a represent it it's it's people that are being called from all backgrounds. This doesn't represent, you know, just the Pentecostal or the Reformed or the you know the the Jews, the Gentiles, or this or that. But it's it's all faceted, and it's out of that that oneness is shown. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, that's good. Well, anything else, Henry, that you want to leave us with? Well, yeah. I mean, well, read my book. <laughs> All right. Where can people find your book? Well, you can get it on, on Amazon. Uh, and, of course, you can also read it for free if you don't want to pay for, pay anything for at Amazon. You can read it for free on, on, on my website or on this website of One Body Life, which is uh, yeah, the ministry that I'm in, onebody.life. That's the website. So, um, so you can get the uh, read it there, or you could buy it online. Uh, you know, three ninety nine of a uh, Kindle version, so it's pretty cheap. Okay, great. So you can either go to Amazon. I'll have a links to both of those in the show notes on this page, so you guys can just go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and find those links if you're looking for an easy way to do that as well. All right, again, one body life. 
Henry, thanks so much for being here. And I hope that people do check out your book and uh, get uh, get into this a little bit. Yeah. Hey, Eric, thanks for having me. And uh, let's fellowship some more after this. Let's do it. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening today. This has been a wonderful pleasure. Henry, thank you so much for sharing your story and your book and your passion for the oneness of the body of Christ. I think you're right on, and I hope that people will catch on to the vision. Friends, if you want to check out Henry's book, One, uh, you can do that. I'll make it easy for you. Just go to halfwaytherepodcast.com, hit the show notes for this page, and you can get uh, the book. There's two links there, like we mentioned. One, to get it for free uh, if you want to just read it on his website, or if you want to get the book and support him. And halfway there, you can do that by clicking the Amazon affiliate link there. It sends something back to me as well as supports Henry and his ministry. Would love it if you would do that. Again, while you're at halfwaytherepodcast.com, sign up for the mailing list. You just put in your name, your email, and it takes just a few seconds. You can do that. I'll let you know every single week when we get a brand new episode out. All right. Thanks a lot. And until next time, keep the faith. Thank you.